0: happy monday everybody it is adam and shelly shelly and adam back to talk to you about marketing on monday because who doesn't love to talk about business marketing or whatever and uh, we have an unofficial sponsor it is jocko go energy drinks to give me energized talking to abby because we're gonna be i'm gonna be writing notes i'm gonna be (laughs) learning learning some things Shelly, you're in the pallet prison as usual. I'm in my basement dungeon as per usual and we have the lovely, amazing, great except at, except water pipes. They're yeah. not they're not doing so well. No. Abby Bisch Bischoff? Bischoff. Whom with stockyards ag experience. Yeah. Abby, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Happy Monday.
0: Happy, Happy Monday. Sunday.
2: That little pipes thing, but you know, but at least you're at home and there's sun shining in. So, who needs needs indoor plumbing? I mean, (laughs) it's nice outside, Abby. I mean, come on now. You know what?
1: It's true. What do I want at all? Apparently, I mean, mean, no, it is International Women's Day, though. So, if I can't have it all today, what day can I have it all? Any day you want, Abby. Okay, I'll take that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right so, so abby would you mind telling the people the thousands of listeners a little bit about you yeah and uh a little bit about stockyards egg experience
2: tell us a lot about you abby because you're a really fascinating person and if people don't know you yet and your history and your journey to how you got to stockyards i think we should take a few minutes and, and help them know how you yeah got absolutely so
1: uh i've been in sioux falls now uh for, oh gosh, this makes me feel real old, but I think I came to Sioux Falls back in 2004, 2005, pretty much right after I graduated from college. I had a little stint in some uh, political work there right after college, moved to Sioux Falls, worked in retail for a few months while I was like searching for a job in marketing. I kind of knew that was the path that I wanted to be in. Um, Had been a a journalism major at SDSU, but just knew kind of like broader communications was where I wanted to be, and also, sorry to all my journalist friends, but I realized very soon after I graduated from college that journalism did not really well. Uh, and so that's when I decided, like, getting into the marketing space was probably what um, made most sense for me. Um, and specifically live music marketing is where I really mm-hmm. had a passion. Um, so I was job hunting, and job hunting, and job hunting, and I ended up moving to Austin, Texas for a month. Uh, my cousin was going to grad school down there at the time, and I was like, live music capital of the world. That's really? It. Yeah, right? Yeah. More than Nashville? Uh-huh. Yeah, Austin. Austin totally is, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Really?
1: So I spent a month in Austin, which is an amazing city. Like, had so much fun. Uh, but while I was down there, my mom, who maybe missed having one of her children close to home, was like, there's a job that opened up at the Sioux Falls Arena. You should give it a look. So I applied and had an interview lined up and drove back up to South Dakota and had the interview and kind of waited around in South Dakota to see if I was going to get that job. And I did. So as a 23 or 24 year old, uh, I got the job as the marketing director at the Sioux Falls arena It was before we were the premier center. Um, and we just had the arena property. But that was really the first step in my marketing career. So Um, one thing that's been kind of unique about my marketing path is that everywhere I've been has been a solo person marketing department. Mm. So the Sioux Falls arena, I was the only person in the marketing department. Um, after I left the arena, um, I did a stint with a state political party and did data and design there. So really that was kind of my first time dabbling into data marketing or data. I mean, I was working with the voter database, so kind of looking at who are persuadable voters and things like that. And then designing postcards and doing photography um, all while having my own photography business on the side. And then um, left that political organization, worked for a nonprofit called Oda for a few years. Um, That wasn't necessarily a marketing position. It was more of a kind of utility position and kind of doing jack of all trades types of things. But marketing was definitely in the mix there. Uh, Left that position and then joined Envy where I was there for a little over three years as the marketing director at MB. Uh, that was a great position because they'd never had like a formal marketing director before. So really got to come in and kind of, you know, establish brand gap guidelines and, you know, everybody's favorite thing, which is telling people what fonts they can and cannot use anymore. <laughs> nobody likes, nobody likes being told they can't use their favorite font anymore. Uh, um,
0: Do people really get all that bent out of shape about fonts? Yes. 100%. Wow. Absolutely. Okay.
1: I mean, and I'm as guilty of it too, <laughs> just on the, on the inverse side of it. Right. <laughs> I'm
0: just trying to, th- th- I'm just trying to think of like, if someone reached out to me and said, Hey, you're using the wrong font. I'd be like, get out. Like who cares? <laughs>
1: <laughs> fonts tell a lot About us. There's personality to them. So, uh, anyway, uh, I could go. On and on about
0: funds. <laughs> I can tell this is like, passionate.
1: <laughs> real quick. Um, <laughs> so was in that marketing space. So like I said, you know, 15, 15 years or so of my career was really in the marketing space. And then um, I've been serving on the marketing committee for the stackyards egg experience. I'm a farm kid. Uh, my family all still farms and had so I'd spent some time volunteering with the stackyards uh, and their executive director actually joined MB, which was where I was at at the time. And when that job opened up, I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and, um, you know, time to kind of move beyond marketing just as a solo kind of focus and um, got the job. And I've been there just a little bit over my two year anniversary will be at the end of the month. So, yeah, that's awesome. my that's my journey to where I'm at. You know, it's like I said, it's been a lot of like solo marketing departments or even now at the stockyards, like I'm the only full-time employee. So not only is it a solo marketing department, it's a solo HR department, a solo uh, development office, all of those things. So uh, it's interesting. um, And kind of forces you to um, collaborate in a different way. I think than we were used to as, as individuals, especially on, creative projects, you know, you usually have your little cohort of people that you can uh, ping ideas off of. So um, making sure you kind of expand that network is a, is something that I found that's really important. And then to talk about the Stockyards egg experience, uh, we're a pretty new nonprofit in the Sioux Falls community. We've been, um, the museum has been open since March of 2017. So we're coming up on our four year anniversary of being open, which is awesome. Um, we are a museum that's really focused on connecting people to agriculture with really a focus on letting people know where their food comes from. Uh, we've got two exhibits in the building. The top level is really the history of the Sioux Falls stockyards and agriculture too, kind of in the in the broader region, really instilling the importance of agriculture in having built Sioux Falls. Um, you know, when you think about the industry that exists now where we're so rich with banking and healthcare and even creative endeavors and the startup community is, um, you know, really vibrant and, um, but agriculture really kind of like laid that foundation when you're talking about the first. Would
0: you you say that they planted the seed?
1: (laughs) They planted (laughs) the seed and now it's time to harvest. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, look at you That guy's connected. connected.
0: Bring it around.
1: <laughs> I mean, if we're going to use puns, I've got. Oh, funny. oh okay, good. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so like the first paved road in in Minnehaha County was a road paved so people could bring livestock to the stackyards. The first bridge that was built was built so people could bring livestock to the stockyards. So literally the infrastructure of our community um, is because of agriculture. Now, what's that look like in the future? Um, you know, obviously people still need to eat. Obviously, consumers are changing their eating habits. They're, you know, just like people do more and more research on the dishwasher that they're going to buy or the refrigerator that they're going to buy. They're spending more and more time researching the food that they're going to eat, and you know, they're considering sustainability. They're considering, you know, there's a lot of different diets that exist now that people will follow, whether that's keto or. Um, you know, Whole30 or things like that. So people are just a lot more in tune to where their dollars are going. And I think that's something that's new to the agriculture industry, you know? I don't think that there was a lot of question marks where, where people were wondering where that food came from or how it, was, how it got from the farm to their table. And so we're here to kind of plug into that space and inform consumers there. So that's our museum that we have now. We also have plans to build a large outdoor plaza um, right near our museum, down near Falls Park, um, we had a successful chamber community appeals uh, a couple years ago, and we raised a little over 1.3 million dollars. So we've got that money in the bank. It's been a weird couple of years for um, agriculture specifically. I mean, obviously the last year has been weird for everyone with COVID, but the year before that weather was really really bad, so um, the construction season was just kind of weird and. Um, Prices were a little bit higher because it was so wet and some things like that. So uh, we're really eager to be able to start on that outdoor plaza project. Um, we're just kind of waiting for the right time to to come around. So yeah, that's a little bit of about the Stackyards Egg
2: experience and about me. In ten minutes. Ten minutes. I think <laughs> you're so. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I just want to touch on is, you know, I don't. At least to me, it doesn't come across as you ever question your value and what you can add to an organization. I've yeah. seen so many people over years <coughs> who look at an, an organ a position with an organization like MB or the Stockyards Ag, Ag Experience, and it never like it doesn't sound like it ever really crossed your mind, like. Oh, maybe I don't have the qualifications for that. Or maybe I, you know, and I imagine there is probably some self-doubt at some point. But for the most part, like, I think it's so important to reiterate that, like, all you did is ask. Like, all you did is put yourself out there and believed in yourself that I am valuable and I could add value to this organization. and went for it. Yeah. One thing I've always
1: I I learned from a college professor and I always like I always go back to this. This is someone people are, you know, say, like, what's the best advice you ever got? It's always this. Uh, My professor, Zeno Wicks, and he was an agronomist or an agronomy teacher and a statistics teacher. Right. It's two very different paths there. And he his advice was always you're probably never going to be the best at any one thing but you might be the best at a weird combination of things. And that's what bring, you know, can help you bring value. So don't just silo yourself and only focus on being a good writer or only focus on, I mean, obviously some people are really good at those things and they can do that. But for me, it was about having a blend of skills that would make me a valuable player to an organization. So, which I think is also why I've been in positions where you're kind of a solo person thing. you know, solar per- solo person marketing department right now is the the solo full time employee. I think um, knowing that you're kind of a jack of all trades, master of none, helps you recognize where you've got gaps. Like I know I've got gaps in my skill set, right? Like there's no reason there's a no reason I wasn't an accountant. It's not that I'm bad at numbers; they're just not my favorite thing. Like I can sit down and you know be with the spreadsheet and. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it out. All right. <laughs> but I don't enjoy that time necessarily. And it feels exhausting for me. You know, it's not like something I'm like, ooh, a pro forma. Let's get to it. But <laughs> I know that's somewhere where I need to spend time. And so that's when you uh, have to invest some more time into some of those things. So I also, again, since it's International Women's Day, I would say this little bit of information there's some, I'll get the statistic wrong. Somebody else can look it up and and fact check me, but there's a statistic out there and it was in a Ted talk about how women feel like they need to have at least 80% of qualifications in a job description to apply for a job. And for men, it's something like 60%. I've seen I'd be that surprised
0: if it was that, if it was that high. <laughs>
1: right. Like women, like we read that job description, we go, well, I don't have those three things. I'm not going to throw my hat in the ring, yep. but you know, let's... I get turned down a lot for jobs when I was doing that retail job right out of college. And I started pinning the letters, rejection letters to the wall by my desk as like motivation. Like these people told me no, but someday, somebody's going to tell me yes. And then I'll be able to burn all these letters.
2: I don't know. I'm You're just... one step closer to the yes. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I think the, the same is true. Like I really 150% agree with that. Like when you're looking at job descriptions or when you're looking at, you know, for whether it's entrepreneurs or business owners that we're talking about, like whatever it is, like you look and say, well, I'm not good at accounting or I'm not good at this. or I'm not good at this. And you use that as an excuse to hold yourself back rather than learning and going out and trying to get that, that just enough of that skill to make yeah. you Qualified for that, right? And I will say, even like even for me to get to where I am now, to have the freedom that I am like, there the one job that I applied for within back then it was Wells Fargo that I was working for. But like nobody, there was I mean there was literally hundreds of other people even within my place where I was working that could have applied for this job, but they were like, yeah, but I don't have this and I don't have this and I could maybe do this. Like I just applied. Like it was it was one of those things, like, yeah, I might not be the most qualified person, but maybe they don't want the most qualified person. Maybe they want somebody who's gonna bring bring fresh ideas and a new way of thinking and you know, it's and, important and to consider.
1: You know, and has capacity to grow and has capacity to learn. Right. I think those things are important. If you have somebody that's got, you know, all the experience in the world, sometimes they're a little stuck in their ways, which now saying that out loud I'm like well maybe I need to take a look and see if I'm stuck in my ways because I have you know been been in the in the the real world the work world for a long time so um yeah I think that's really interesting and I mean that's not to say that I don't get severe imposter syndrome at times you know like there are still times where I feel like a total phony especially when it comes to things like you know I said data marketing really quickly but like I came up through journalism and I came up through kind of a broader communication space. So when it comes to the folks that do SEO and are, you know, wizards at Facebook ads and Google ads and things like that, they amaze me because that is not, that is not my type of marketing, right? Like not to discount that at all. It is incredibly valuable and it's, you know, taking that data that we know and can really turn results, but I'm probably more on the creative end of that. So knowing that exactly is another way that I need, know that I need to, find partners that can help me with that or education that I can you know take on to help fill those gaps so
2: that kind of leads me to a a interesting thought that I just had like have you in your journey because you have kind of taken a uncharted path and you've been able to kind of jump into some higher positions have you ever had people that that just pissed them off like (laughs) I don't and I don't mean that like I don't I hope you understand what I mean by that but like you know if here's this like 26 year old who's applying to be marketing director at MB that you know how many other people that were working at MB were like why wasn't I considered for it you know it's have you Um, ever had any of those situations not that I'm aware of
1: (laughs) maybe I've got beef with somebody I don't know about does that make make me cooler somehow no it really doesn't um that I mean that's a good question right like um yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe. Shout out if you have. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> at some point let me life. know if you got beef. It's just my siblings. They're like, yeah. I'm really-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of curious. When you went into these roles where it's a solo marketing person, mm-hmm. because I'm on that end of that spectrum, what... uh when you're going into these positions, what was most important for you, uh, to get figured out in the first six months or something like that?
1: Uh, first six months or so. Um, I mean, first of all, understanding, like I'll use MB as an example, right? MB, which is this broad organization it has, I think when I was there, it had 42 different programs. So everything from childcare and swimming to youth, you know, youth programs, a broad set of programs. So making sure I took the time to talk to every program, per, you know, program head, um, to understand the full scope of what they're doing and gather all the information I could. And then also to think about the organization um, more broadly, right? Because I that was kind of what I had seen as the marketing challenge there was that everybody was kind of siloed. So there definitely needed to be siloed um, things because they're very different audiences, but then they're also needed to kind of be that broader MV message that was going through. So in the first six months there, that was really the, the challenge was kind of understanding everything, pulling it in and then being able, I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, excitement with a new marketing person and especially there's so many tools that we have now to make those things so immediate. And like, you know, you want to hit the ground running, you want to make a big splash, but sometimes the best thing to do is to stop and learn and, you know, figure out your audiences, figure out your consumers, uh, figure out your stakeholders, and come up with a better plan and move forward that way. So um, I would say that's probably the the best step. I think I did it too with the stockyards as well. Um, You probably, there was probably a bit of like a, a slower time. Uh, on our social media platforms and things like that, as we were kind of, as I was kind of evaluating, like what had worked in the past, what hadn't um, and where we could make some changes. So I think that's probably one of those things. And then the other thing is figuring out who within the organization, if you were a solo person in in a bigger organization, or if you were a solo person like I am now, and I have, you know, I have a wonderful board. And I'm not just saying that they are a very engaged uh, and dedicated board of directors. Figuring out who those people that you can lean on, you know, Mm because it can be really lonely to be a solo person in the marketing space. So whether that's, oh, this program person has some experience and has some skills at, you know, graphic design or has some skills at writing, or, you know, our administrative assistant here has, you know, she's just stellar at what You know, whatever those those skills are, even if it's a skill that I had, knowing if I could lean on somebody else to help me out with some of that stuff that I needed to do that and not just do everything myself or I would get burnout, so.
0: What, uh, in your experience, because from my experience, the, the reason why I'm asking this is because this is something I run into quite a lot in speaking with other companies and stuff like that is, in my experience, people don't understand how long Um, effective marketing takes so um, as an example i know of a friend of mine who got hired on as actually very similar story actually to yours and she got hired on at a business and they're like awesome let's just get these leads just these leads are just going to come pouring in and it's going to be amazing and we're her and i are having lunch and i'm like have you communicated with them that this is this is a long play like like the and or it's going to take an enormous amount of money to get qualified leads coming in through the door you can either have it fast or you can have it expensive which are fast and expensive or cheaper and longer play is that something that you have had to come into a lot of places and say whoa guys like you're wanting results in like two weeks to a month Th- this is not something we're not talking about anything that's going to happen for the next year yeah. because it just takes time to build up and get rolling it what's your experience with that
1: yeah absolutely you know and and some of the stuff um you know the nature of of some things is you know i hate feeling like i'm doing a reactive marketing right where it's like oh, this thing is happening. We need to get this thing up, which it felt like a lot of times when I've been in organizations like that happens um, and you want to prevent that as much as possible, right? You want to have a, definitely a more calculated plan than that, but the, you know, sometimes that's the reality is that it is that fast and expensive model. Or if you're in the nonprofit space, sometimes it's the fast and then just not effective model yep. you know, because you don't have those dollars to spend. So you have to be um, you know, more strategic and more thought out and figure out how, yeah, you're right. It just, it takes a long time and convincing the stakeholders, um, that are involved that it's going to take time is always hard and always part of your job as a marketing person.
0: Do you, Do you feel like sometimes when you're explaining these things to those people they're like well you're just being lazy like (laughs) like that's not the way it works like so -so counts you know whatever like my favorite one that i come across people and i'm i i guess i'm just kind of being a little bit of a uh, uh i'm sharing the experiences with you like we're just talking shop or whatever but like it took a little while for like my business partner justin to realize that a lot of the accounts on Instagram are just paid followers. And like, I mean, a lot of them are like 95% of the account. If someone's got 10 K plus followers, I'm like, okay, let's go check out these comments. Oh, look at that. There's 12 comments on every single one of these threads. And they're like heart emoji. I'm like, bot, 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 bot. And he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, so I mean, I could grow our Instagram account if you want me to. I just got to go buy the followers. I'll just go to Fiverr right now yeah. and just buy a bunch from India. Like
1: it, it is. Have you watched that uh, HBO documentary uh, that just came out? I forget what it's called now. Uh, it's about influencers, about influencer marketing.
0: Uh, I don't know if I have. I'll, and- I'll uh, here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some googling real quick. Yeah, Hold on.
1: Googling. I just watched it a couple weeks ago, and it's really interesting. It kind of uh, it takes like five people. maybe it was just three people. Anyway, it took a few people. um, And the producers of this documentary were like, we want to see how many followers we can get these folks in a certain fake fake famous, fake famous, that's what it's called. Um, And it really, you know, talks about those fake bots. And, um, you know, how people gain all of those followers. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, with influencer marketing, which I've done before, right? I've hired some local folks that are considered influencers, and had great success with partnering with them. But they're local people that that feel a bit more authentic than some of these influencers that you don't you know, like, I've met the influencers in person. So I feel better about it. Yeah. And and I've seen some results from the campaigns that we've done. And they're on a low enough budget that it's not it's not too big of a barrier to try at least Yep. Uh, but some of these bigger influencers like i don't know it's a it's just such a tricky tricky space to navigate um and you know i have conflicted feelings about it too because it's really a space where women kind of lead the way like when you look at i mean and that's probably what i'm seeing right i'm a woman so i see a lot of female influencers in that space but it really is an industry that women have been able to make big strides and make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I find myself being critical of the influencer kind of um, (laughs) the influencer economy, if you will. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, they're hustling for the most part. I mean, that work is not easy. You'll see that in that documentary. Like even the people that do buy fake followers, they are still producing a ton of content. They're still hiring audio visual people to, produce their images and put it out there. So um, it might seem fake, but, but I mean, it is an economy and it is working, but, but yes, people think it happens overnight and it doesn't. Um, I mean, it's just like, take for instance, I work with my family. They run a registered Hereford cattle farm near Huron. I, for the last, and this is their 16th year, I've designed the bull sale catalog for them every year and this year i was finally like you guys you spend all this money in print advertising which is fine because you know that is where their audience is at a lot of times is in farm publications and those type of trade publications because they're very specific but i'm like where are a lot of your potential customers spending their time probably on facebook when they're in the tractor percent. you know like i think about my brothers that are in the tractor cab so um I tried to get them to hire a local firm to do it because I don't have the time to do it properly. And I'm not an expert in that field, right? Like I know enough to be, I know enough to get some leads off of Facebook, but I'm probably not the one to execute that in a big, big, bold way, in a big, bold plan. Um, Didn't get them to get it it done this time. And I think part of the reason was um, they balked at the upfront cost a little bit, but like long-term when you spread it out, it's gonna be cheaper than most of the print schedules that they had gotten, you know, like yeah. all these dollars. So I took some time and took all their past customers, did a lookalike audience in Facebook and put their catalog behind behind like a pass, not a password, but you know, they had to sign up to download the catalog before it was just on the internet. Well, and then I did that, I mean, their sale is on Wednesday and I maybe did this Facebook marketing a couple weeks ago. But just in that short amount of time, we've gotten like 60 new customer leads. And to my family, that's a huge amount. You know, normally we would get maybe a dozen catalog requests a year. And this time we're probably, we're probably over 60 new customers. That's wow. our addition to our, which, you know, when you're selling 120 lots of cattle, 60 customers is a lot. Now my family's all like super impressed with that. I'm like, yes, this is great. This is a great start. But now what we do we do with them? And I have some of the time to help with that. You know, like we can send them an email now. Like, yes, I know that. But as far as like retargeting them, um, maybe going in and looking at specific videos of lots that they've looked at, I don't have the time or the capacity to do that, but there are professionals that do. And so And I think some of it is maybe if you can show some results, you know, some short-term results and say, okay, this is great. But we've got all these pieces, you know, down the road that are going to make an even bigger difference. So that constant communication with those stakeholders is crucial. And it can be frustrating because you're like, if I didn't have to tell you every 15 minutes what I'm getting done, (laughs) I could focus on my
2: job a little bit more. Um, But that's part of the job. So do you like in a situation like that i mean i realize that's your family farm and not necessarily with your job but uh, you know data collection and data use of data tools is so incredibly important in that and it made me like it made me think when you were talking about that your family has generally used print used printed catalogs Mm
0: -hmm.
2: versus the the ones that you're doing this year with more digital you know um how Have is there ways or do they understand the ways that they are able to really collect the data now versus when everything's on paper, right? Like you can send out 150 catalogs to people and maybe 90% of them go in the trash, right? Because you have zero way of knowing what they were looking at. If they even looked at it, did they hand it off to somebody? Like, so like is that and how does that apply to the um egg experience, too. Like, I think that's interesting to see, like, because that's an old, you have an older board, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I know most of the people that are on the board. So, like, do they understand, like, the value of the data that you're collecting in the process of going through that? Yes, we
1: we have a few younger board members that do get it, and they understand, and they think it's great. And fortunately for us, at the Sackards egg experience, and probably part of the reason I could uh, do some of the stuff that I had done is... um we are working with that digital agency right now on a grant for the Stockyards Egg Experience. So we're deep in that, you know, we get an ad grant from Google, which, you know, most nonprofits can get it and qualify for it. Um, But it's $10,000 a month of Google ads. Dang. But we'll never spend that. Like, there's no way that like us as, you know what I mean? Like we'd have to be really, really really aggressive to spend that. Um, But I had no idea where to start. You know, like I could, do, I could throw some keywords up there. I could make some stuff. Um, But again, fortunately for us, we were able to get a grant, which would be this, you know, like similar to hiring, right? Like if I had the budget to hire a digital agency to go in and do some of that work and work on SEO and work on some of those things, clean up some of those call to actions, like think about that, that broader picture and then bringing those people in. One of our challenges, you know, the thing that I would say with my parents' business that made it easy to to do that work and show value instantly was that it's such a specific market, you know? Like they are people that are looking to buy bulls and heifers in South Dakota. Like it is a very niche thing. For us at the Stackyards. it's a lot broader. I mean, we're looking at anyone that eats food. Like that's everybody. So how do we decide who our focus is? And so that's been one thing that we've worked with With the digital agency that we got the grant with you know so really our focus right now bringing in more visitors um so we are doing that mission work and bringing people in so a lot of our you know demographic is moms with young children because they're the ones that kind of come in and use that lower level and are really experiencing that farm to table thing but you know i I feel bad because that's cutting out some of our audience right while well, we're also working on you know, that that upper level that's kind of the this, StackYard's this history is probably a little bit older of a demographic and that have some experience or have some sort of connection um, and play on that nostalgia to bring them in. Uh, and then that final piece is letting people know in the egg industry across our state that we exist and that we're helping tell their story. Now, the reason we want to market to them is because we hope that they'll support us financially someday. Um, you know, as a nonprofit, you have to, marketing and development are so close together. They are not the same. It is a different message, but you have to spend time doing marketing to both things. You know, bringing people in, the people who your mission is affecting, and then the people that. Oh, no. Plumber came. Hey, uh, kind of Google uh, ads and some of and uh, she disappeared. Um, is making sure that we're getting the right message. Oh
2: come on, Abby! Come on, Abby! Her,
0: her internet froze. Oh. Oh. It's not just her pipes that are frozen.
2: <laughs> oh poor Abby! At least it's a it's a. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's a good angle.
1: Hmm. Wonder what I could
2: talk about now. I have a couple. We get you we're like totally cutting in and out of you here Abby
0: so uh, Shelly, while we're waiting for Abby to get back to full signal what are you what are you thinking so far of this of this talk
2: I think it's fascinating like we don't you and I generally don't get oh, yeah. a lot of opportunity to talk Watch to egg you just let us know when you're back online Abby Uh I- I think I can hear you guys now. I think you're back now.
1: Oh, Perfect. I think you're back.
2: Yep. Cool. Yes, we're back. Good, good. Sorry.
0: You're good. Perfectly fine.
2: So I'm going to pivot here. And we actually had a question pop up for right. you, if you can see that. So, any advice for the top couple of things our small scale local agriculture producers can do to simply improve their online presence?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, a few things would be, plan stuff out, right? Be intentional about your schedule and, you know, sit down and think about what are maybe the three things that we wanna, uh, or our producers wanna get out there. Is it, you know, pictures of their produce? Is it behind the scenes? This is stuff I talked to about my family farm too. So I feel like I can relate that a little bit. I'm always hounding on them. I'm like, you guys should be, you know, sharing more information on Facebook and stuff about like, we worked cattle today or we planted today. And and this is what it looks like. like that connection, the connection that more connection people can have to their food, the better, you know, people want to know the people that are producing their food too. So don't just show the plants in the ground, show the people planting the food too. I think Mm -hmm. that is really, really important. You know, you know, all my time working, especially on social media, I mean, some of the best engaging posts that we ever use is when you can tag a person in them, right? Like people want to connect and if it's somebody they know already, they're going to share it and that's going to spread that even more so that being intentional about what you're talking about including people and then oh gosh let's see one more tip for what you can do just take a ton of pictures you know the more you take pictures the better you're going to get at it and visuals are huge um even if you hire a photographer or you you know I, I'm gonna say hire a photographer. I was gonna exchange. I was gonna suggest some sort of like uh, exchange of goods, but that can be tricky. So hire a photographer. Uh, even if you pay them 200 bucks to come out someday on a beautiful spring day, you're planting. Have them get, you know, uh, get you 20 to 30 images that you can then use for the next two or three months. That's awesome. If that's not something you can afford, look for an online. Um, class on how to take better pictures, you know, you can find a lot of those free ones. It seems overwhelming, but if you can keep a few tips and tricks in your toolbox, um, I think that's important. So, I'd say visuals, um, intentional, and use people. I mean, that's, I think that's the reality of especially small organizations and small shops is as much as it stinks sometimes is you are the organization as well, um, you know. Like your personal brand is just as important as your organization's brand, um, and so thinking about that and how you are showing up um, is really great. So thanks. Yeah, we do. Uh, uh, we've done a fun event with the South Dakota Specialty Producers Association down at the barn a couple of years. We didn't do it last year
2: because of. COVID but hopefully we get back to doing our local foods fair again. and I think you know something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is like just do the thing right like don't overthink it don't overcomplicate it people want to hear from you they want to purchase and support from people that they can stand behind right so like I think that that's so important for people to not over like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be It, it, it just doesn't have to be something that some big marketing agency does for you take some pictures and say you know having fun out here in the field today yeah. and let's see your dirty greasy hands like yeah, that's what yeah. people are gonna love you know Absolutely. and and to like I think one of the best things you can do
1: um especially in the social media space is just... oh, dang it happy
0: <laughs> <laughs> your plumber you equipped
1: <laughs> where mm-hmm. I've made a, you know, made a, a spelling error or a grammar error in a tweet, and I'll have somebody be like, "Oh my gosh, you had a you had a thing wrong in the thing," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a person. People are come to real life. People make mistakes, and people have already engaged with that tweet, and it's starting to do well. Why would I delete it to correct a tiny mistake? Like, yep." it happens, you know, it shows that you're human and, you know, maybe they will get you some earned media if it's bad
0: enough, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not ideal, so, but,
1: you know, pivot and make it an, make it an okay thing. Um, Two, two,
0: two separate things that I want to cover on and your, um, your thought process of like hiring a photographer just to come out and take some photos. I absolutely 100% agree. Listen, most people that I've come across and I'm not, I'm I'm not saying I'm some great photographer, so I'll get that out of the way, but I know how to take like a decent picture, like good enough, right? It's the editing and everything like that that I'm wishy-washy with. But uh, I would actually love to sit down and talk with you personally at some point and talk shop at some point. So um, if you're okay with it, I'd love to hit you up with a message after this. Um, But I I think I came up with a great idea of how to overcome this with my company. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But absolutely people just pay the $200 for yeah. photos to be done. Like the amount of time, effort, energy, and everything like that that you'd have to put into it to like get a good photo and then you're going to second guess yourself. Like there's a whole thing that goes into it. Just hire it. But video testimonials are something that I'm obsessed with right now for yeah. where my currently my business is at. And again, I'd, I'd rather go into that uh, one-on-one with you because- yeah. I've I've talked about it on here a couple of times now, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, But yeah, just hire professionals to do that kind of stuff. Um, But number two, I have, I know it works and it's unfortunate that it does work, but I really hate the idea of personally hate the idea of I don't know what the right term for it would be, but like shock marketing where uh, when South Dakota did the meth campaign,
1: right?
0: everybody was like, Oh, that's so genius. Like the meth campaign was amazing because everyone's talking about, it. I'm like, no, like, no,
2: yeah.
0: it made us all look like absolute idiots. Like if that's what you think is an effective campaign, then guess what? I've got an idea for you. Let Dumb and Dumber er, 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 movie be the official movie of South Dakota because that's exactly what we look like right now. But to to add on to that, Burger King just today put out a tweet saying women belong in the kitchen for International Women's Day, and there I, I just know that the marketing department sitting there like yeah, like we're getting so much coverage on this, and I'm like. And people just feed into it. And they're like, no, this is actually brilliant. I'm like, no, you're just being a fucking moron. Like, (laughs) like, there's just some things you just don't say, like, at all.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's something. You know, earned media (laughs) is obviously great most of the time. Um, But if you're spending so much time going, oh, no, no, that's not what I meant, are you really getting your message through, right? Yeah, like
0: That's so exactly right.
1: If you can grab some attention somehow um, without losing sight of what your actual message is, go for it. You know, use humor, use, um, you know, some, something that's maybe a little bit more jarring or a little more, you know, eye catching, but you have to be very careful about, you um, Losing your message. And if you're spending that whole time defending your decision and, and backpedaling, then yeah, um, your message is likely gotten lost. Yeah. If
0: if again, I don't want to rag on Christy Noam, but if Christy Noam has to spend the next month on various different news channels saying, listen, guys, you just don't understand. Like you didn't get the message. It's like, well, that's a, that's why it wasn't effective. Like, like yeah. bad, bad press does not equal good. A oh. good outcome. Yeah. Like, that's not how that works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so anyway, I don't want to write. I just wanted to kind of, in your example, I think you're yeah. absolutely right. Small error, uh, spelling errors or whatever, you can you can make fun of it, right? You can be like, right. oh, hey, da-da-da-da-da, like, sorry, yeah. guys.
1: Yeah. But um, beyond that, it's probably too much. So,
0: yeah. yeah. What do you think of Kip?
1: Well, what do I think of Kip? I think Kip's a great guy, and he's having some coffee, and I love coffee. But how can the stackyards, connect new producers with our work? That's a great question, and that's something that we're really working on, and that's um, part of what um, our work in that in that digital space is, is to, to try and get that word out. Um, I think the other thing that we're really trying to do, and I think that any business or organization can do, is like find people in your space that don't see you necessarily as a competitor, but see you as a collaborator, um, and find those those connections and work on them. you know one thing I did when I was at MB and then I'm also a part of a group now um, is I started a solo team marketing group. So we met once a month. Uh, there was just four Uh-oh. or five, there were four or five of us we don't meet anymore because I, I was kind of the person that put the group together but a lot of us were kind of in the nonprofit space but not, not necessarily and it was like okay, what are some what are some things that are working well for you? what are some things that you could celebrate right now? You know, things like that. And it was really helpful to talk to those folks um, and get ideas. Like I didn't know that I could get Canva for free as a nonprofit. Well, now I know that. And it's amazing. Right.
0: I um, love that idea. Cause I am so dearly missing talking to yeah. marketers. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um,
1: and then also there's a, like a small executive director group right now that exists that it's, you know, where other nonprofits were, small small nonprofits. And so sharing some of those like pain points and some of those successes can just be really helpful, especially when you feel a little siloed. So, but to Kip's question, I mean, working with those organizations, right? So making sure you're reaching out to, um, you know, like for instance, is oh, I'm going to have to, I think it's fun through, um, through the extension service, but it's just for young beef producers that are looking to get started in the industry. You know, I think that's something that's really interesting about agriculture is a lot of times our perception of what a farmer looks like is a guy that looks like my dad, right? Who is seven years old and he has gray hair and
0: wears overalls.
1: Yeah. looks a certain way, but the reality is that there is so much technology in agriculture anymore. Um, There are so many young people in agriculture and there are a lot of young people that are trying to get their start, just like any other business. You know, there's enough people, there's enough older farmers that are retiring and young people that maybe aren't related to them are buying the operation or getting into the operation. So it's not like a generational thing um, that you're seeing um, some people that are looking for more education and more opportunities. And so I think plugging into those people um, is a great way that we can try and connect with, uh, with new producers in that space. So, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the what thing. What are you
0: finding that younger um, agriculture people coming, coming into the industry now, what do you find that they differ the most from the older generation on mm-hmm.
1: Well, it it depends. Um, I would think that they're way quicker to adopt some of those new technologies. Right. When I think about my, you know, my brothers both farm with my dad. And so, um, you know, and one of my brothers was a computer science major. Like that's what he majored in in college was computer science. So, you know, he's really excited about um, some of the precision planting stuff that exists and um, some of those things that you can use to report out data or look at your, you know, with farming, I mean, the biggest thing is controlling those input costs.
0: She always freezes on a really good part. She really
1: does. (laughs)
0: The freeze frame is excellent.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it was great. Um, The more time that farmers can spend kind of targeting that or lowering and controlling that input cost, the, you know, hopefully the better their outputs can be. And so, technology is where they're going to be able to do that and harnessing like the power of collaboration and talking to your neighbors and talking to your you know the people that you buy your seed from and talking to the people that you buy you know your other things that you need those other input costs so and it's also interesting to see organizations like farmers business network pop up i don't know if you guys have had anybody from farmers business network on
2: we haven't. I've, I keep learning more and more about them and it, it kind of fascinates me a little bit. I've, yeah. I've heard about them for a couple of years now and how quickly they've grown. And Yeah. And it's interesting because they're kind of disrupting the space.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of my brothers is like a little hesitant about it. One of my brothers is like, oh, it's kind of cool what they're doing. So it's, you know, it's an interesting space. And I think that agriculture is one of those industries that's really just poised for a lot of disruption. Oh and yeah. I think that you know, if we can bring the startup community that exists in Sioux Falls and kind of the the tech-minded people that we have here to really start collaborating with more of the ag industry, I think that you I mean South Dakota could be kind of a a center for some real innovation. And for me at the Stockyards, I hope that we're a part of that when we're, you know, thinking about that outdoor plaza. You know, I really want there to be an app that goes along with visiting the plaza that's going to be, you know, that's going to harness um, augmented reality or virtual reality or something to be able to, you know, oh, this is a, this is what position planting looks like in the cab of a tractor and to instill in kids that uh, jobs in the egg industry and in the egg sector aren't just farming, that there's a lot of opportunity for, jobs and economic development in that space. So, um, but now I'm getting away from marketing. Now I'm talking about economic development.
0: <laughs> well, so do you mind if I ask the last question? Cause no, it'll it will probably take the last, last, last five minutes, um, at least. So my last question for you, and it might be a very difficult question to answer. Okay. Um, but personally i i am someone who i used to be a diesel tech and so i actually used to work on ag equipment horrible decision because i would never once worked on a farm in my life and so for me to look at a combine and not even know what it was supposed to do and try to fix it terrible idea terrible experience um but i'm halfway in that world already because i'm from south dakota which is a large part of our uh revenue comes from agriculture And there's so much misinformation on farming, crops, livestock, and everything like that, but only outside of the Midwest, where the people who aren't even remotely close to agriculture or um, animals, anything like that, there's just a lot of misinformation out there about how it works. Yeah. And my question to you is, with the overwhelming amount of noise coming from this direction from misinformation, how does someone who is arguably on the smaller end of that scale where, you know, actual people who do actual farming or actual ranching and stuff like that is significantly smaller than the masses who don't. Yeah. How do you combat that kind of misinformation? Um, to try and educate people on it?
1: Uh, it's twofold. Um, first is getting our message out there, which is the marketing challenge we've been talking about, right? Like, so making sure that the visitors that come to Falls Park, when they come through our museum, they're taking away something, right? Like we've had folks from 49 of the 50 states through the museum. So we get a lot of people, we've had 29 countries come through this space. A lot of times they just happen upon us because they stop at Falls Park and so they, They come in through our doors. So being more intentional about bringing those people in and targeting those people when they're visiting. um, Or as we're thinking about our outreach beyond, you know, that's something that we've had to do a lot of during COVID is thinking about how can we work on our mission outside of the museum walls right now. And so bringing conversations, you know, we do conversations monthly with a restaurant owner and talk about each ingredient in a chocolate chip cookie and how that ingredient got to the kitchen so you can eat the cookie. So, so doing some of that, broadening that, working on that kind of constantly working on that and getting that message out to consumers. And the other piece of it is getting folks to tell their story, our egg producers, farmers and ranchers, and also to work with them um, on communicating with consumers through authenticity and empathy. So I was a part of a really interesting seminar with the center for food integrity. And they have found that, um, no, it's, it's just like politics, right? Like it's just like anything I'm sure, right? You've got 20% on one side. People can't see my big hand motions, (laughs) 20% of people on this side, uh, that are never going to change their mind and they're pro farming and they're fine with every practice and they you know they don't question anything. And then there's the 20% on this side that are set in their ways, they've made their decisions when it comes to how they source the food for their families and where they spend their dollars and all of that. So really you're talking to those 60% in the middle, right? And the way you change minds and the way you inform people is by understanding where they're at and and give them information that they can just presenting them with the best information you can. And the best way to do that is from the people that are, are creating the food and planting the food. And the, the challenge, I really think the strong, strong challenge is that um, if you have somebody come into your business and say, I'm not going to use your product. I think what you're doing is wrong. I think how you're doing it is wrong. And you're ruining the earth. Because that's a lot of the noise that's out there right now, right? That right. agriculture practices are not sustainable, that, you know, animal agriculture, there's, you know, a lot of cruelty involved in it, that you can get your nutrition that you need from um, plant-based proteins, like that's all fine. And, you know, somebody that thinks that strongly, that's fine. They've made their decisions and they can make those decisions. But if farmers can be less defensive which I know is hard, right? Like if somebody walked in and told me that stuff, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't be a farmer if my land isn't healthy. I can't, you know, I don't want to abuse my animals because they're my livelihood. You know, like these are the things that um, appreciate their animals because to get farmers to stop offensive about that. And there are some really great organizations that have been doing work in that space about in an open and and empathetic way, only way that people are going to want to, um, to change, change their minds, change hearts and minds. So um, I think those are kind of the two big things. Um, So yeah, the more, (laughs) the more agriculturists that we can get that want to, spend time talking about what they do um, and be able to showcase that and to, to talk about that in a really kind of open and honest way, um, the better.
0: So. Yeah. I.
1: If they don't have time to do it, to let an organization like us do it, right? Like support us financially. And then we can share that message, you know, more broadly and with more programs and things like that. So. yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's a, um, I think that's a very interesting challenge. And to your point about like if someone came in and was just like, well, what you're doing is wrong and everything like that. I think in, in you're right. It's very tough to get not defensive about it. But I'm actually I actually am in an industry where there's very staunch believers on multiple different fronts uh, against what we make. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where you're like, OK, well, then how about this? yeah don't don't install what we have then thanks
1: right i mean the the challenge though for us right is that everybody that eats food it's likely coming from a farmer just a different type of farmer so that's the other challenge is that that agricultures have to be okay with consumers maybe not choosing their product right um just presenting that information and that's what we do in the barn is we kind of present it in an open format like you could think that soybean producers and beef producers would be at odds with each other because a lot of plant-based proteins have soybean protein in them and beef producers, well, they're producing beef. But like you look at my family, we raise soybeans and beef
0: mm-hmm.
1: We're people regardless. Now that might mean that you no know, um, land use might change a little bit and things like that. And that's why farmers are, experts
2: in
0: their fields. They know, <laughs> get it? <Fields. laughs> All right. So she, she closed up the show <laughs> with one of the, one of the better puns. Boom. It only took you 45 minutes to come up with a pun, but yeah, you got yeah. her. So
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it's an interesting, you know, there's not, I can't actually think of a time and we can close out after this. I'm trying to th- remember back to a time when I have ever heard a rancher openly be like, um, farmers are just stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah like I, I, and I think that probably in more than any other industry, if I had to, if I had to guess, I think ranchers and farmers know that they're so intertwined. Like th- what the farmer does is important because that's what puts the feed for their cattle. Yeah. In, in the lot, right? Like, it's what they do is incredibly important. So much so that kind of what you said, it's not really all that uncommon for a rancher to also be kind of like a small time farmer, because they grow their own corn, soybeans, whatever. Um, it's not horribly uncommon. I wouldn't say it's probably the most common, especially depending on where you're at in the state. But
1: I think yeah, because of our state and our land, like we kind of have the opportunity to be a little more flexible. But like my friends, when they were like, "Well, is it a farm or is it a ranch?" I'm like, "It's kind of, kind of both." Some of my friends call it a "fanch." So,
0: hmm. (laughs) we should come over with a better word.
1: One guy named Tito calls it a "fanch," but that
0: sounds like it sounds like a bowel movement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh we should probably come up with a better better name. Yeah.
2: We'll think.
0: Ranfam.
2: <laughs>
0: Ranfam. I don't know.
2: Yeah. You fan two ran? you two seem to be pretty good at coming up with these creative name ideas. <laughs> something. I'm good at something. So cool. So Abby, tell all of the amazing people who are watching and listening and going to be listening to this on their favorite podcast streaming device later. Where can they find more about you and your organization and how can they come visit you? Yeah, so uh, right now at the Stockyards Egg Experience
1: we're kind of in our winter hours still so we're open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays down at Falls Park. Um, if you want to check us out online you can go to our website which is stockyardsag.org uh, but most of our content is basically on Facebook right now we're kind of working on beefing up our website but um <laughs>
0: Beefing up the website.
1: Oh, our website, uh, they just you know, they they just write themselves sometimes. Um, but Facebook is another great place. And then if you want to connect with me, find me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Abby Bischoff on most all of those. So I don't have any weird nicknames except on TikTok. But I don't really make anything on TikTok. I just watch the creative people make the creative things.
2: Me too. I'm just
0: happy that you're on TikTok. Oh my gosh! Thank you.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) It's amazing. If you want to see the kind of amazing, like, side photography work Abby can do, check out my personal profile picture, which is an Abby original. Yeah. it's probably one of my favorite all-time pictures of my family, honestly. It's pretty an accurate portrayal of your family. And I like that you
1: embrace that, right? Like, people that embrace, like, the chaos of family
2: pictures sometimes, I think, have the best. You know, we like to laugh. And, like, everybody was laughing and having fun with each other in that picture. And... That's the point. Absolutely. So cool. Abby, thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah. I, I hope some people learned more about your awesomeness today. Yeah.
1: Awesome. This was, uh, yeah. I totally uh, told you the wrong website. It's stockyards egg experience.org.
2: Oh, it's like that doesn't quite look right, that's but that's, like, that's says, so. shorter
1: than I normally type. Man, because I have the world's longest email address. And right. At
2: Stackyards, or yeah. it's just long. So, yeah. Sorry
1: about that. it's that better? Oh, that's it. Nailed it. I'm a professional. Did
0: you just make a mistake?
1: Oh, <laughs> I'll be up
2: all night.
0: Twitter, Twitter and... is gonna just ruin you.
2: Right. <laughs> Adam will. Adam's gonna be the one that starts it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna send a tweet right now. I'm gonna send out the tweets.
2: Can you believe?
0: All right. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I uh, definitely am going to be reaching out and seeing if you would like to get together. Can't
2: wait. Be awesome. Maybe you guys can go have some beef. That was kind of a dumb one. We'll All bring, right. Bring home the bacon. Or maybe you'll have some Brussels sprouts. Yeah. He out, Brussels sprout. See you next week. <laughs> so bad.